Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All right, we got our exciting mailbag segment today. But first, happy trails to Ryan Fitzpatrick. Fitzmagic has decided after a long and distinguished career, I think, with about, what, seven or eight teams, uh, has decided to end his NFL career. He's going to be a broadcaster, reportedly, with Amazon. I've heard names like Richard Sherman and some others as well involved with that. So Ryan Fitzpatrick, one of the more colorful players in NFL history, uh, for my mind. You know, did you know he went to Harvard, Steve? I don't know if you knew this. He what? went to Harvard. No. Yeah. Really? Yeah. It's been out there. It's in all the papers. Um, and he is. Uh, he's decided. And of course, he was going to be the Washington uh, football team, and now the Washington Commanders quarterback last year, and then got hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in the first game, or if not sooner, uh, and never came back. And. Um, you know, for a guy that was a, what, seventh-round pick, something like that, um, you know, managed to play a lot of football. And, you know, he, he was he was colorful. There's no doubt about that. And, of course, we remember his beard and all that. Maybe his greatest moment, and you see memes all over the place now, uh, <laughs> of, of him after uh, he started and beat the then-world champion Philadelphia Eagles in week two of 2000, 2018 with the Bucks. Remember, he came out that year – Jameis Winston was suspended the mm-hmm. first three games of the season. So uh, they had a tough schedule. They had at New Orleans. Then they, they were hosting um, Philadelphia, the Eagles, the world champions, um, for the home opener in, in week two. Uh, and then they were going to uh, – they hosted the Pittsburgh Steelers, and then they went at Chicago. But anyway, um, you know, the thought was, well, if they could just win one, you know, they won out of three, something like that. Well, Fitzmagic comes out, and in the first game at New Orleans, stuns them, right? 48 to 40 throws for 417 yards and four touchdowns i mean his passer rating was 156.2 he was mvp uh, yeah he was player of the week and um and he you know he, he actually in, in that game that they were really only winning by eight points he had to run for a first down in the final two minutes to keep drew Brees from getting the ball and coming back and tying it um and so he did that and then the next week they they hosted the Philadelphia Eagles, world champions, uh, and had just beaten, I guess, what Tom Brady, right, with the Philly special and all of that. Uh, and he goes 27 to 33 for another 402 yards, four more touchdowns, this time one interception, a 144.4 rating. And the recipient of many or most of those long bombs, Deshaun Jackson. Who was you know had had been brought in here uh, the year before and didn't really do very much, but then he he just like you know him and Fitzmagic just had it going. I mean they were throwing the ball down the field on on almost every play, and um you know and then and then of course things started to go south right after that. That was always that was always Ryan's problem was he was never on really good teams, and then after a while you know eventually uh, his success would catch up to him. The next week though. They lost barely uh, to the Pittsburgh Steelers, thirty to twenty-seven, at home. Uh, it was a great game. He threw for another four hundred and eleven yards and three touchdowns. So the first three games, he threw at least for four hundred yards and three touchdowns in each each of the three games. They were two and one, uh, and then the wheels kind of came off after that, and he was benched uh, by week five when Jameis a week after Jameis came back. They had that terrible loss in Chicago, and uh, they actually played Jameis the second half of that game. And they went back to Fitzmagic a few weeks later and, and, and so on and so forth. But he was, you know, he was the ultimate sort of teammate. He was always in the corner of whoever his starter was, but he wanted to play. And he, he was kind of a clubhouse lawyer that way. Like he, he would make people think that, um, you know, I'm just, I, I want to help whoever name the young quarterback in front of him, Jameis or whoever, do everything I can. He's a great guy. But all the while, he he was not there to sit the bench. Like he was going to find his way, and he did. I think he had a streak there in his career where he was starting at least eight games every year, and he was never really inserted as a starter until um, you know he he 
essentially got to Miami and they were, and the Dolphins, I think, made him that at one point. Uh, and he was going to be that in Washington. But uh, most of his most of his career was spent as a backup coming off the bench. And I know he had the year with the Jets that was pretty good. And um, that was I think Todd Bowles had him his first season. They went 10-6. and six. Unfortunately, he threw like three interceptions in the final game where they would have made the playoffs. And so that wasn't good. So he'd go from Fitz Magic to Fitz Tragic, as they called him. But the, one of the funniest moments, the best moments, and I've done this a minute, as you know, is after that Philadelphia game, uh, they're full of themselves. They beat New Orleans. Uh, he threw for four touchdowns, 400 yards. They beat the Eagles uh, in a close game, 27-21, and another 400 yards and four touchdowns. And, and as I said, it was him and Deshaun, Deshaun um, Jackson. And Deshaun, you know, was a guy that had a lot of bling. And so uh, they decided they decided to bling up Ryan Fitzpatrick for his post-game press conference, which you see all the time everywhere. Uh, it's going to kind of be his, you know, his, his lifetime meme. And he goes out there uh, and he's got the chains on. You know, I mean, these you know, it looked like a cable bridge. I mean, these things are so, so thick. And he's got all of Deshaun Jackson's jewelry, uh, the, the, the wristwatch, all this stuff. And then he puts on his, his like, you know, sort of bomber-like uh, silk jacket and, and no shirt underneath. Just, and he comes out, and we were, everybody was dying, and he stayed in complete character. He was just like, you know, I just think we have to stay humble as a team, and we can't, you know, get too full of ourselves, and so on and so forth. And we were, roll, we were just rolling, and Deshaun was in the corner saying, hey, man, can I have my stuff back? But they actually dressed him. Like, they, they got this idea. I stood there in the locker room when, when they got this idea before he was going to go on the podium to, uh, you know, to make him wear all of Deshaun Jackson's stuff. He, he was great, man. He was just uh, he's like, uh, none of this is mine except the chest hair. The chest hair is mine. <laughs> Um, and I think for a while there, you know, he, uh, he, he has about seven kids, I think that's not an exaggeration, uh, with the same wife. And I think for a while there, they were on a streak where he had a child in just about every city that he played, you know, they would, they would be traded somewhere and then they'd have a child and she'd have to pack up the house and go some move somewhere else. And then they have another child and so on and so forth. Um, I think he still lives in Tampa. I'm not sure. I knew he had a house on West shore. Uh, and I think he kept it even when he went to Miami. So I assume maybe they may still be here. Uh, I'd have to check on that. But um, it was neat the way he, he um, sort of announced it. He went on his um, Instagram or one of the social media accounts, and he published the names of all the teammates in various fonts, some of them very small, as you can imagine, uh, that he had played with throughout his career. And it's a lot. And, and he just said it's, you know, it's been a heck of a ride or whatever he, whatever he published there. Um, but he's yeah, been with just, nine teams, so nine teams, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, over so what, seventeen years, and never made the playoffs, correct? N- I don't believe so. I don't believe he played in any playoff games. Yeah, which yeah, is incredible. I mean, the the rumor was he was sticking around just to make sure he could say he was the oldest quarterback in the NFL, and then Tom Brady unretired, and he said, "Ah, heck with this." <laughs> That's true. Um, well, and he, you know, he played against every team but two. One of them being the Bucks. He had never played against the Bucks. Hmm. Which was interesting. Um, you think, think when you play one. for seven teams over seventeen years, you would have played against everybody? But yeah, well, uh, some of that was in the AFC. Yeah, you know, I mean, he 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 did a lot of. Uh, I think he, you know, he was with some teams more than once as well. Now, do you think Deshaun Jackson gave him the jumpsuit and chains for a retirement gift? <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. That's one of those that should be like in the in the Pro Football Hall of Fame no, or the Rock and Roll <laughs> Hall of Fame or whatever they have. You know, like you you know you put the get up that 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 he wore. I think the Buck um, should have it in the front of the Advent Health Center training. Yeah, complex. yeah, that'd be yeah, right with the uniform mock ups that they have up there. You know, they have all the all the different helmets and things they were considering before they settled on the pewter and all that. Yeah, um, yeah, it should be like a part of a museum. You know, they'd probably have to pay Deshaun Jackson a lot of money. The thing about all that, though, in, 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 in all seriousness, so, you know, that was, a, that was a difficult year, as it turned out, and Dirk Cutter got fired. Um, and that's what happens when your starting quarterback gets suspended three games and he came into the league under a black cloud as it was. Um, that was for the Uber driver incident, if you recall, uh, that it happened after his rookie year, but it took a while for them to get around to it. And um, they announced that suspension when I was on a plane to Hawaii, by the way. Or actually, I was taxing say, you, down. Were, you were on the runway. I was taxing down the runway in San Francisco. I had the story written because I had yeah. great relationship with his attorney and everything. 
Um, and it was supposed to be embargoed till six o'clock. But of course, at five fifty-seven, according to my sources, breaking news: you know, James Winston's been suspended three games. I thought we had an agreement, but we didn't. Um, but anyway, yeah, we got that in. And yeah, because you and I for weeks were discussing this is going to happen when I'm on a flight to Honolulu. And I was like, yep. And then we had to coordinate. You weren't supposed to do a podcast that night, and then we had to get to Hawaii and do the podcast. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, we had to coordinate that. It was very early or late in the morning. I can't remember which. So, um, but what was what was interesting about that year, or the start of that year, was nobody expected Ryan to hit it the way he did, and he hit it so big that he was a cult favorite all of a sudden. And those, you know, Jameis was a polarizing figure. Um, don't know if you know this, but when he was here, he certainly was. And so when he came back and he finally got the reins after um, kind of a not-so-good game at Chicago in which Jameis came in and played, and Jameis didn't do very well, a lot of people were upset about that. They thought that the, 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 the team should have been Ryan, Ryan Fitz, Fitzpatrick's, and he, felt, he kind of felt that way too. Like he felt like he got the early vaudeville hook. He understood it because there was such an investment in Jameis as the quarterback. Um, but Jameis had not been around – you know, he, he was able to practice in training camp. Then he went away. Like, he couldn't be in the building back in the day. Um, you know, for three weeks, he didn't do anything. And he had one week to prepare, went in the second half of a game at Chicago, and then started the next week. And, and I'll tell you who was the most upset about it, and it hurt him. And it hurt Jameis Winston, Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun Jackson had no interest in playing with Jameis Winston in that season. He had played the year before, didn't really have a particularly good year. Jameis struggled throwing the deep ball. And Ryan Fitzpatrick put it on the money. And so they get up to this flying start with four touchdowns in the first three games, and then they go to Jameis, and all of a sudden there's no deep ball. And Deshaun Jackson's you know, production is going down and down. And Deshaun made it known to everybody, his family, everyone. You, you, know, you could talk to anyone around his camp, and they're like, yeah, we don't like the quarterback. Yeah, we hope they go back to the other guy. That had to hurt Jameis on some level because you were paying at that time, I think, $11, $12 million, which is a lot of money for Deshaun Jackson, and he was not a factor. And he can't throw the ball to himself, obviously, and you know he, he could absolutely still win off the line of scrimmage. But um, you had any time you have two quarterbacks and one of them does well and the other guy comes in and he doesn't do as well, you've got a controversy. And that's kind of what they had. And, and eventually Dirk Cutter – had to do what was best for the organization and finish the season with Jameis because he was going to be here and, and Dirk was not. And so uh, that, that, was a, that was a difficult season. It was hard to watch. It was hard to see that, um, you know, that, that, that whole dynamic play out. Really, ever since training camp, when, when we got to training camp, of course, Jameis knew he was going to miss the first three games. Dirk Cutter said, you're the backup. You're the backup. you got to lead from behind. He's like, what? Yeah, you're not taking first-team reps. We're getting ready to play New Orleans. And that was like, whoa, you know. And, and then you wondered, well, how much of that, you know, impacted his inability to play when he, when he got in there. So um, Ryan Fitz, Fitzmagic had a, had a very, you know, he, he burned out like a candle. Um, but it was, uh, it, it seemed like he was here a lot longer than he was. And, in fact, I think, like I said, I think he may still make his home here. But um, colorful guy, really colorful guy, enjoyed him. Smart football player, uh, went to Harvard. Don't know if you know that. And uh, we had we had two Harvard players. I think that's against the NFL rules now with Cambrate and, and right. Fitzmagic. I don't know if that's allowed, but uh, but yeah, that was those were fun times. And he was he was a fun dude. So I think he'll be great on TV. By the way, I think he he knows the game. Obviously, he knows and he and he's a he's a colorful guy. And I think uh, I think TV will love him. Hey, folks, you might have noticed it's getting really hot outside, and that means that you need help with your air conditioner. Call our friends at Air Rescue. Don't suffer this summer with that old AC system. Call the experts. Air Rescue offers superior service at unbeatable prices, and your unit will perform 30% better and last longer with regular maintenance by Air Rescue. They've got an award-winning team that delivers 24 hours. They have emergency service. You can't get that with everybody. That's 24-7. 100% satisfaction guaranteed, like our mailbag segment, as a matter of fact. And you get uh, residential installation, repairs. It's family-owned. They've been here over 75 years in the business. Air Rescue offers 100% financing. So if you can't afford it, well, guess what? You get affordable payments. You get very easy application process. 
No administration, bank fees, or extra costs with that financing. What else do you want? Call our friends at Air, Air Rescue at 813-612-5600 or go to airrescueflorida.com for the air conditioning experts, Air Rescue. All right, so we got plenty of mailbag questions. Let's get right to them here on this beautiful Friday. All right, Matt had tweeted us. He says, Tom Brady seems to be spending a lot of time on his hobbies this summer, a clothing brand, golf, etc. And he's also got a job lined up for after retirement at Fox. While he's the ultimate competitor, he's also human. Could these new ventures hinder his competitive edge this year? You know, I think it's a great question. Um, and sometimes I question whether he is human because the guy doesn't age, so there's that, right? Um, he might be the society's first 150-year-old man. I don't know. But the deal is that you would you would expect that Tom Brady, since he's done this, and, and you can talk to coaches in, in that about, you know, well, what about what's Tom up to? What about his offseason? Like, look, 23 years, greatest of all time, seven Super Bowl rings. We don't have to worry about Tom Brady. He's got his own routine. And, in fact, he has his own health system, right? TB12, um, Alex Guerrero. They've been doing the plyometrics. They've been doing the workouts. They do this stuff at home. Um, he has thrown to some of his teammates as well. We know Gronk was out there a few weeks ago, and, and they've been doing that at the Yankees uh, minor league facility off of, uh, off of Dale Mabry there and Lois, or Himes rather. And so you, you have to kind of trust him at this point. However, even in the annals of Tom Brady, like I, I'm not with him all the time, clearly, and I know he, you know, there's travel and then there's Tom Brady travel, right? So anytime he needs to go somewhere with Giselle or the kids or on business, you know, there's, there's a G7 waiting for him someplace, right? So it's it's not as if he's standing in line at airports or getting you know flight delays by Delta. Um, he can go and and you know money will buy you uh, a lot of service. But even having said all that, like think about this year, it's incredible. We're going to probably write about this since we're going to see him uh, at least we expect to um, for the mandatory minicamp next week. Is he retires after the season February first? That lasts about six weeks. Okay, and they did. They do some traveling as a family. They do some stuff, including the the weekend before he announces he is not retired after six weeks, forty days, or whatever. He's in England on a on a vacation. He's watching uh, Ronaldo, I think Cristiano Ronaldo play uh, with Man U, which you know kind of raised some eyebrows about whether he was over there talking to the Glazers or what. Uh, and then he unretires. Now we've had eighty for Brady the movie. We've had the, the completion of Man in the Arena, right? That that long And now ten, we'll have a sequel. Now, now we'll have yeah, Man back in the arena. But that, that completion of the you know, the ten Super Bowl um you know, docuseries that, that he produced or that his company produced, including the Bucks Super Bowl in twenty twenty season, uh Super Bowl fifty five, which he won, that that was released. Then um you had uh, you know, of, of course, he he did the 80 for Brady movie with Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda and all that. You also had him signing a contract with Fox, uh, $375 million for 10 years. A Netflix series was announced. Groat, greatest roast of all time. He's going to be the first subject of that. So that that had that deal had to be done. Um, you know, just just all these things, man, including the golf tournament that he just did Again, the match in Las Vegas where, you know, he had to spend a little time on the golf course preparing for that. And, of course, you know, he traveled out there and, and um, he's done this now. This was his third third time doing the match. And so next week we'll see him for the first time. I think even by Bray – oh, and did we forget? The clothing line, right? I mean, TB tw- the, the Tom Brady, the Brady – Brady it's called – Brady clothing line. Uh, and, of course, he's involved in his cryptocurrencies and – you know all these all these different um, companies that he has. It's it's a massive amount of projects and branding that has gone on, and it's not by accident. I mean, he is knows he's very close, and and actually called it quits once. You know, I thought it was interesting after the match they had a sit down, sort of a summit with the four quarterbacks that were involved in that. And one of the questions they asked Brady, like, you know. It had to be tough. Like, were you, you know, when, when you decided to play, uh, 
you know, like, how committed were you? And he, he talked about, well, it was going to be free agency. And he goes, you know, at my age, he says, now, if I was younger, it's 100% every year I'm playing. You know, like, he goes, now it's kind of 55-45. He goes, of course, once I made the decision, I'm in. I'm all in. It's 100, I'm 100%. You know, I'm ready. You, you got to go, let's go. You got to get up and let's go. He goes, but before that, it's kind of like 55-45. I thought that was, well, that's revealing. So the 45 is what we've seen in the off season. You know what I mean? Like the 45, almost half his time or more. And again, when you're around Brady, and people have said this like in meetings and, and the, those that coach him say, and I've witnessed this in the interview that I've done with him and a couple and one other time that I met him at the Hall of Fame, just one-on-one, I mean, I know him obviously, was he, you don't see a cell phone. He doesn't seem hurried. Um he's not distracted. He's extremely present. Like when you're with Tom Brady, you're with Tom Brady. Right. And, and it's kind of like, you know, Charles Barkley. I, it's crazy. I look in his eyes, man. Don't look, don't stare in his eyes. Cause if you stare in his eyes, you're going to forget everything. You're going to go all Google eyed and everything. I can't even, I can't look in his eyes. So he, he is, you know, he never seems like stressed by everything he's doing. Like, I think that the average person would be like, wait, what? I got a, I got a movie. I got a, you know, when do you find time for this? Well, he manages his time quite well and he's got companies that do it for him. Plus all the social media. Let's not forget shadow lion, you know, is watching him hit a golf ball. That looks like it's a hole in one from a fairway somewhere or a, you know, tremendous shot. Um, you know, he does all that stuff to him with him too. And just, just his, just his Instagram game. And, and be with his family, and travel, and do all those other things with Giselle. I think it's fair to ask the question. I think it's fair to to, to kind of keep one eye eyebrow up a little bit about how. And of course, it's going to be hard to detect because he's going to be forty five in August. So is this age? If we see him slip a little bit, or if he's not quite like he's clearly moving towards another career. He's he's already got a commitment with Fox. We know he's very close, if not at the very end. So what's this offseason been about? Has he done as much? And I don't know the answer to that. I can't imagine he won't be all, all in once the season starts. I think he will be. And I think he'll, he's kept himself, obviously, in shape to be able to play at this age. And he's still probably doing the workouts with Guerrero and eating right. And I don't think he ever got off his diet. It wasn't like you know, he retired on February 1st and then for 40 days ate pizza and ice cream. I mean, that's just not who he is. Um, so he, he has, he has maintained his fitness that way, but he's got a lot of irons in the fire, man. I don't think he's ever had more. He certainly didn't have this much in new England. Um, and you know, it'll be, it'll be interesting to watch just like how, how dialed in he is, but, but he's the ultimate competitor, right? Like who are we to doubt Tom Brady with what he's accomplished, but it's fair to ask. I think it's a fair question to ask like, Hey, how, how committed were you this off season? How different was this off season when you did retire and for forty days weren't going to play? Even if you were thinking about it, the idea was you were done. So did that change any of the dynamic in the off season? I don't. I don't have the answer for that yet. All right, Michael tweeted us. He says, "How confident are the Bucks that Joe Tryon Shawinka can be an impact starter this year?" Well, they better be really confident because they didn't get anybody to to you know come in and compete with them really. I mean, they, they said goodbye to Jason Pierre-Paul. And Jason Pierre-Paul, at least as we do this podcast, doesn't have a team. He had a torn you know, rotator cuff that he tried to play through and wasn't very good. And Joe Tryon-Shoenka wound up playing a heck of a lot as a rookie. And when he did start, he did pretty well. He put up some numbers. You know, he had the four sacks. He had two against New England uh, when he started that game. When he started games, he was even more productive. Um, unfortunately for him, they had to move him around a lot. You know, because JPP did come back and they were, you know, at times playing, playing him inside, rushing him, you know, between the, between the tag, between the garden and the centers. Uh, you know, he was on the left side some, he was on the right side some. He never really found, you know, a position that he was just going to start or back up and dominate. And, you know, the good news is he found his way onto the field. The bad news is he, he's, he's got to hone his craft at one spot. Now, Sort of the beauty of of Joe Tryon Shoinka is is his versatility. That he's such a great athlete, you can move him around the, the the chessboard. And Todd Bowles likes to do that. He likes to create mismatches and 
pressures and the illusion of pressures and you know um, but he's still a very young player he hasn't had this role um, this is a big boy role this is like no you're the guy you're Shaq Barrett on the other side you're JPP uh, and even though they got Anthony Nelson who's hugely productive based on the amount of uh, playing time he gets and had more sacks than Joe Tryon last year uh, they've got a rotation but it's his job like it is his deal and and they're expecting I think somebody said the other day we expect double digit sacks he should be a double digit sack guy and and that's not easy to do in this league it really is not there's not many Buccaneers that have done it in the history of the team believe it or not and you know so I think from that standpoint um it'll be you know it'll be a big test for him he's got to take a big step up in class uh teams will have film of him teams will counter his moves um you know uh, they're going to be on the grass with him more uh it's 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 a real important position and i think there are two guys you know they brought in akeem hicks so this changes it a little bit i think um you know for logan hall but Logan Hall, who's essentially replacing Indomitian Sue, if you will. I mean, Hicks is technically, but but Logan Hall and Joe Tryon Schwinka, how how much how impactful those two guys are will be a big part of the Bucks offense or defense this year, and a big part of how how successful they are. Because there's a you know with a defensive coach and Todd Bowles, head coach, uh, with the way the season ended with the collapse, there is a huge emphasis on this defense being dominant this year, on being better. On uh, on not having what happened uh, in the collapse against the Rams occur again, so you know right at the center of it or at the end of it anyway uh, on the edge is is Joe Tryon Schoenke and I I think he's going to be great I, I I think he has the right mentality he's got tremendous athleticism it's just how quickly you know he can hone his craft and and you know uh, become a student of the game and you know technically sound and and, and hand placement all that stuff that goes with it. Um, but I, I think I think he's going to have a big role in this team if they're going to win. He's got to play big. You mentioned Akeem Hicks, so Greg had tweeted us. He says, I hear people saying that Hicks is an upgrade over Indomitian Sue. Did I miss something? He hasn't played a full season in years. He hasn't had more than three and a half sacks in two years. How exactly is this an upgrade? Well, he's younger. <laughs> so there's that. He's got three years. I think, you know, that it's a great question because I'm, I'm, not, really, I'm not really sure – necessarily that he's an upgrade from maybe what we've seen from Indomitian Sue in terms of his production the last three years. I mean, start with the fact that he's never missed a game in his career. Um, you know, that, as they always say, the best ability is availability. Uh, and that's just not been the case for Akeem Hicks of late. I mean, two years ago, he, you know, he, he played, or three years ago, he played five games, and then last season he played nine. So at 32, you know, some guys don't make it to 35 like Sue did. I mean, Sue had his own, his own, you know, way of training, and, and, and he didn't practice a whole lot, but on Sunday he was there. Um, Hicks has to find a way to be there too. Now, I think when, when you know, when Hicks is, is right, he can be more dominant um, and disruptive, I think, I, I'm guessing, and I haven't talked to anybody about this, I'm guessing they saw that on film anyway that Sue had slowed down. You know, I know they wanted to get quicker and more athletic. Um, Sue has a, brings a lot of power. He got a lot of one-on-ones. I mean, let's be honest. The beat of A is drawing the double teams. So is six sacks, which is around the career average for Sue or career high for Sue, uh, is, is that really what you should get when you're getting all those single you know, one-on-ones, shouldn't, shouldn't you win? Because most teams, when they play the Bears, they double Akeem Hicks, right? And back in the day, they would double Indomitian Sue. Well, Indomitian Sue got one-on-ones. And, and so, you know, and teams, of course, would come out and they, they refused to run inside because of those two big guys and the linebackers. And so they're running a lot of, a lot of stretch plays, a lot of perimeter stuff. Um, I just get a sense, and I haven't talked to anybody specifically about this, I just get a sense that they felt you know, that, that Sue's legs were going, you know, and, and, and that's what goes first. And that, you know, he wasn't going to be, um, you know, as, as quick, uh, and they wanted to be faster. They wanted to be more athletic and, you know, 
with Akeem, you're not going to ask him to play every down. I mean, you just drafted a guy with the first pick in the second round, 33 overall, your first draft pick, Logan Hall, who is going to be let next to Ndamukong they hope, for the next four or five years. So Logan Hall is going to play. I mean, you know, and, and you don't have the pressure. If, if Sue was back, he had played about 71% of the snaps every year. The expectation would be that you're going to play Sue three-fourths of the time. Now, maybe it starts out that way with Hicks, but Hicks is going to be in a rotation with Logan. I mean, it's not going to be, hey, it's, it's, it's Hicks, you know, it's Vita, and, and we're going, you know. And that's kind of the way it's been with Sue and Vita the last few years. This is going to be, you know, you're going to see a lot of haul. And, and so maybe that will, that pitch count will help with Hicks. Um, but yeah, if you're just looking at the two guys and you're saying, you know, who's likely to be in Canton, it's probably not a Keem. You know, it's probably a Sue, but because of his longevity, right? Because he's played 12 seasons or whatnot. Um, but remember this, that, and, and guys don't usually, I always say this, guys don't get healthier and more productive as they get older most, most, most of the time. But not too many years ago, he was one of the best players on the number one defense in the league in Chicago. Uh, they're hoping for flashes of that. They're not hoping for that every game or every rep, uh, but they hope they see that guy and that, he's, and that they find a way to get him through 17 regular season games in the postseason. I don't know. Um, I think he's cheaper. You know, you, you've got to guard against injury there because you know, most of his salary, uh, I know it was listed as $10 million, but in reality – it's really six and a half, uh, and then he gets bonuses if he if he's able to play the whole season. It becomes eight, and then if they you know he does some ridiculous things like make All Pro and Pro Bowl and go to a Super Bowl that sort of thing, he can make as much as ten. Um, so he's probably a, a few bucks less and a little bit of injury protection against that because there's there's some bonus for for playing time, um, but I I don't know that he's a huge upgrade at this stage of his career. He is younger. And that's that's you know, and more athletic they think at this point, and so we'll see. Um, I don't think there's a ton of difference though, um, in terms of the way Sue has played in the past, the past three years, and they would probably take that. But they're but they're looking for a little more athleticism, a little more pass rush, um, and you know he's a different body type. He's not the same size as Sue, um, you know, and he's certainly not Vita Vea. He's somewhere in between, and. We'll see. I mean, he's a big name, and he's played a lot of winning football, so we'll see what he brings to the table. All right, you mentioned defensive line, so Ellis had tweeted, how soon until they say, did Brady invite Warren Sapp to OTAs? Are Todd Bowles and Tom Brady already on the outs? But seriously, does Warren Sapp (laughs) regularly put the coaching hat on? I know he's been around, but don't remember him being hands-on. You know, he's come to camp a few times before. Uh, He did it, I think, with Bruce Arians here, and you know, he's one of those guys that if he chose to be a coach, I you know, and, and could keep things straight in his life, he would be a good one. Um, he simply doesn't need the money, and I don't think he – I think he has other things he likes to do like fish and, 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 and whatnot. But um, I have been around a lot of players over the years, and, of course, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. But even considering that, Warren Sapp's one of the smartest players I've ever covered. Like – he knows his position. He knows every guy around him. Now, most of the defense is behind him, obviously. But he would hold guys accountable because he'd know what happened in a play, and he'd come back to the huddle and go, who blew that? You blew that. Which one, which one you guys blew? And, you know, but from a, just a, you know, to work with young defensive linemen and, and, and you got a Logan Hall out there who, who, you know, might play some three technique, a different body type, I get it. But, my goodness, who better to learn from? Uh, it's a little like you know Kyle Trask sitting behind Tom Brady, but here's a guy that's actually teaching you some of the tricks to his craft. Um, so, you know, did Tom Brady ask him out there, or is this a? No, I don't. I don't think it had anything to do with Tom because Tom clearly wasn't out there. It was OTAs, but for a few days, two, three, four days, or whatever it was, to get a Warren Sapp um, to get off the fishing boat and come up from South Florida and stand out there in that heat and work with those guys. That could go a long way. And the other thing Sap will do is he's going to give those guys his phone number. And unbelievably, a lot of guys don't take advantage of this. But he's going to say, hey, um, call me if you have questions. Let's, work, let's get together again. He'll, he'll work with these guys during the year if they want to. Like he makes himself available 
to players, and he's very lo- loyal to this team. He played for, obviously, Tampa most of his career in the Raiders. Um, you know, it, look, uh, one year John Lynch had him out to San Francisco to work with their young defensive lineman. You know, so he's done this when he has relationships with, with teams and with, with, obviously, John Lynch being a former teammate and now the GM of the 49ers. So I think it's great, and I I think they'll get as much out of it as, as they want to. Hopefully Logan Hall will use him as a resource, and this won't just be a one-and-done thing. You might see him out there again, you know, because he's passionate about the Bucs. He's, he's at a lot of the games, not all of them, but he's at a lot of the games. He watches them all the time, and he's a big Brady fan. You know, he knows Brady's the greatest of all time, and he loves that he's playing for his Buccaneers. And he loved that they won a Super Bowl, and he predicted they would. Um, because of the quarterback and, and everything he saw. So um, good on Warren Sapp, and it's great for the Bucks and anybody that was out there that those three or four days that got to be coached by him. All right, King Lewis had tweeted, Hey, Rick, do you think the Bucks will wait a bit and sign a few more players when they are released during the season? I think it depends on injuries. Um, you always have a list. You know, you always have a list of guys that uh, might be out there. Last year it was Richard Sherman, obviously. Um, you know, might be some players, obviously Fitzmagic retired, but there's others that might not be on a roster week one. And and also understand this too, like um, for a vested veteran, a guy that's got four years or more experience, if he's on the roster in week one of the season, his contract is guaranteed. So, you know, even if he's making the veteran minimum, whatever his contract says, if he's there week one, um, he gets paid if you cut him in week two. Uh, so, you know, I, you see some you see some names pop on rosters after the opener, right? Um, so the answer is, yeah, probably there'll be a guy or two, but I couldn't tell you their names because I don't know where the injuries are going to occur. Is it going to be wide receiver? You know, is somebody going to go get Julio Jones at some point? I don't think he's been signed, has he? I think he's a free agent. Um, you know, I, it, it just depends. Like, you know. Where is there a run on a certain position like they had last year at defensive back? I mean, they were desperate for defensive backs a year ago. You know, could that be the running back position? Could that be um, a tight end position? I mean, you just don't you don't know. And then and then who's available? So mostly most years there's a there's a veteran or two. You know, I think it, it worked out well with Sherman because they had such a young group. I mean, relatively speaking, they had you know guys like Carlton Davis had been there four years, but uh, it was still a mostly young bunch of, of, of defensive backs that didn't have that, you know, that pro bowl leader back there. And so Sherman was able to provide that even after he got hurt, you know, he was coach Sherm. So th- those are the guys you like to have around your football team, especially if they got a little, little juice left in them. Um, so yeah, I, I, I would be, I would not be surprised if there's not a name somewhere along the line based on injury and based on need, because, you know, there's a, there'll be another round of free agency maybe right before the start of training camp. I mean, they'll get a look at these guys, you know, in this final mandatory mini camp, and you know, pretty much this your roster is set. You got your 90 players, so you'll bring those guys to camp. But as soon as camp starts and guys start running around out there, you start getting injuries, and you know, there'll still be a number of free agents available. So we'll see. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All right, we'll switch to baseball, and Craig had tweeted, The Rays put all their eggs into the Freddie Freeman basket and came up empty. Never added a bat in the offseason, and now it's showing the lack of game-changing bat is hurting them now. Rizzo was available for less money and a better glove at first. Why did the Rays not spend that money uh, other places? Um, well, I mean, they did, they did make a run at Freeman. Uh, I think they were swimming uphill because, you know, he has the ties to Los Angeles and whatnot. Um, it's a it's a fair point. Uh, I mean, Anthony Rizzo got off to a great start with the Yankees. Left-handed bat, pretty good first baseman. You could make an argument. What they really needed were, um, I think they needed some right-handed bats, to be honest with you. Um, 
I don't know. Like I, I think it's going to get him. I, I think, you know, look at unless Brandon Lau comes back and he's the Brandon Lau that hit thirty nine bombs, unless Wander Franco can get that quad injury squared away and 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 he's the Wander Franco that went into the playoffs, you know, last year and and, and last part of the season, unless Randy Orozarena can be the Randy Orozarena, you know, of the World Series uh, run. They're, they don't have enough bats, in my opinion. Like, they're pitching the wheels off of it right now, you know. Now, they can manufacture runs. You know, they, they're, they've they got guys that take a lot of walks. They run the bases fairly well, though, you know, for a while there they're running themselves out of games. But um, they got a little speed. They move the baseball, so they put some pressure on the defense. But if you're asking me, do they have enough in a, you know, five- or seven-game series uh you know, to, to match the lineup. I'm not talking about 162 games where you're, you know, filling here and there with your organization and your 45 players, but do they have enough game to game going up against the best team in baseball with the best pitching staff to, to produce enough runs? I don't think they do. And, you know, they, I mean, even last year they added a bat, right? Nelson Cruz. Um, yeah, Nelson Cruz. And I, and I think he did two things. He not only provided them offense, but he also, you know, was a great mentor for guys like Wander Franco. Um, so I would be shocked if we don't see a position, pl- uh, you know, some, a bat, whether it's a DH an outfielder, or whatever, got a lot of outfielders, first baseman. Um, you know, I'd be surprised if we don't see that if they're in the, in, if they're in the hunt, unless they just fall completely out of it. And I don't think they will because I think their pitching's too good. Um, but to me, this, this is a, this is an offensively challenged baseball team. Now watch, as soon as we say this, They'll score ten runs against the Texans. They got they're up three to nothing as we do this podcast, and they'll never look back and they'll lead the American League in hitting and runs and something like that. But um, it's just not there. I mean, the home runs haven't been there. Um, not that you need to lead lead the league in home runs. They've done that before and not been very good. But you know, you're sitting here. Randy Rosarina's got five home runs. We're we're in June, man. You know, five home runs in two months. That's not going to cut it. You know, you need more from him. Um, you know, you need you need Franco in the lineup. You 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 need Zanino to you know he hit twenty bombs last year. You got to have Brandon Lyle back at some point. And what about Josh Lowe? You know, wasn't he the guy they moved on from Meadows for? So the first thing is to get him healthy and see what you got. But yeah, I I I don't think they have enough bats to go very deep at all if they get in the postseason. I don't. All right, Michael tweeted us. What are your thoughts regarding Barkley Goodrow's comments that he would rather have Igor Shosturkin than Andre Vasilevsky as his goalie? Well, I think he was correct because look what happened in game one. <laughs> no. Well, listen to uh, the fans at MSG. I mean, they chanted Igor's better, so he must be right. Yeah. Yeah. They took their cues from Barclay Goudreau. I think we, we might have mentioned this the other day just on our own, but it, now that we got the question, we'll, we'll rehash it a little bit. But he plays for the New York Rangers. Like, I always say this, like, have, you know, when I say have the press conference, okay, change the answer, right? What if we go through this whole scenario and you're talking about both goaltenders and at the end the walk-off is, hey, who's better? And you go, oh, it's Vasilevsky. Holy cow. <laughs> right? Have you been to New York? Have you seen the tabloids? I mean, what would they do to the guy? Right? He'd get destroyed. And rightfully so. I mean, his paycheck says New York Rangers. It doesn't say, even though he's got two cups that were, you know, his name's on two cups that Vasilevsky obviously had a hell of a lot to do with. I mean, he knows how good Andre Vasilevsky is because he played with the guy and won two Stanley Cups. But this guy, you know what? Shesterkin's pretty damn good, too. It's not, like, it's not like it was a stretch to say, you know, one guy is better than the other, at least right now. I mean, I think we talked about how, you know, Vasi is on his way to a Hall of Fame career already, right? And he's only a year and a half older than Shesterkin is. And, and I'm sorry, where are all his... Stanley Cups, but he might get one this year. He's in the finals, you know, the Eastern Conference Finals. He's still got a, a number of games to win. He's got to win, what, seven more games. If he can do that, then, you know, we can start talking about him in the same vein. But I, I didn't have a problem with it. I, I mean, I, I can't imagine what what would have happened if Barclay Kudrow had said it was Vassy. I mean, it's just, it, you know, forget about what happens in the club, in the, in the room, what about the New York tabloids? I mean, what about, you know, so yeah, he was backed in a corner. I would have just walked off and said nothing. Um, but, you know, he had, to, he had to say it was Igor. I mean, what else could he say? 
All right, we'll end on this one, and Alan had tweeted. What are the greatest moments in sports history that you witnessed as a journalist? As a fan, I think of the Miracle on Ice, Buster Douglas, K.O. Tyson, Buck Super Bowl, Buck Super Bowl II, Tiger Woods' 2019 Masters win. Wow. Um, well, I've spent most of my career covering the NFL. You've seen uh, the two so Buck Super Bowls. There's that. Yeah, I've seen the two Buck Super Bowls. Seen lots of Super Bowls, actually. The thing is, I've been to about 30 of them. So, you know, you know how they run those Super Bowls consecutively during Super Bowl week, and mm-hmm. they kind of go go through it. Well, if you go to 18 <laughs> uh, and go move forward, yeah, that's me. I've done almost all of them. Um, I missed a couple between 18 and like 20, 20 something, but uh, certainly from 25 on, uh, you know, I, I've done them. So I there's a, there's a lot of great games in there. I mean, the Brady comeback is one of the greatest championships of all time, right? In any sport. I mean, down 28 to three to Atlanta. Um, you know, I was in Houston when they had the wardrobe malfunction with Janet Jackson. I mean, I, I mean, listen, the, whatever the NFL has done, um, from a championship standpoint, and I've been at some pretty good playoff games as well. Um, you know, I thought the Elway Super Bowls were, you know, were important. Um, what else? I, I mean, I, I, I don't really remember specific sporting. Like, there's nothing, unless it was a Super Bowl or a playoff game. You know, I've seen some pretty good playoff games, AFC, NFC Championship games. You know, I watched a Jacksonville team upset a really good Denver team one year. I didn't expect that to happen in the postseason. I was, you know, I, I wasn't there for you know Tebow's throw to to beat the Steelers. Like I, you know, I didn't witness that. I've seen some, you know, I think we talked about this. Like I've been around some great athletes. You know, I've had. I've had a beer with Troy Aikman before he was, you know, the three-time Super Bowl winner. Uh, and he was just, you know, Troy Aikman. Um, I watched Muhammad Ali walk into a room at the NFL, uh, at the Super Bowl during the NFL, um, you know, owner's dinner or whatever, back when the players were invited, and saw saw the whole place just part in half. You know, like, I've been around greatness, Um but specific games and things like that, I have to really think about that. Um, covered some baseball, you know, um, nothing spectacular, some playoff things back when, you know, the Cleveland Indians were, were rolling pretty good and, and um, saw Cincinnati start to get good again, you know, um, did some of that stuff. Basketball, college basketball, watched some Final Fours, you know, um, was going back as far as Seattle. Remember when Michigan won? You remember this? Michigan won. 1989. 1989, Ramil Robinson with the free throws. Mm-hmm. A gutty call by John Clardy, I think his name was, the yeah. referee uh, late in the game. Um, Fisher had taken over there at the end of the season or whatever, and they, they went on that run. So, you know, I think that was Duke with Billy Ferry or whoever whoever the hell it was back Danny in the day. Ferry. Danny Ferry. Did I say Billy Ferry? Billy Ferry was, I think, a, a mass murderer. I'm not sure. So I'll have to look at that. Yeah, I know. I get him confused. Uh, but yeah, Danny Ferry. So yeah, there's been a lot of uh, there's, there's been a lot of moments, you know, throughout my career. But I I I, I haven't ranked them yet. I'm not quite done. <laughs> or maybe I am. Maybe this is. You know, I get a lot of these nostalgia questions. I think people are trying to tell me that I've been around too long and and I need to start uh, getting my. My ducks in order here. Yeah, but this was a things. this was a positive one. Usually, it's misery lane is the uh, yeah, that's true. The Although nostalgia, the nostalgia questions. This is actually you know the best stuff you've witnessed. Well, and that's the thing. It should be a short list because I I major in misery lane. I mean, I my address is is you know fifty four oh two misery lane. I mean that's that's kind of where I live um, because you know until Brady arrived, what was it twelve seasons no no playoffs. Uh, when I started this gig, it was 12 seasons of double digit losses in a row. (laughs) So, yeah. So not a lot of high points throughout the years, you know, but you know, I watched, you know, the Bucks almost beat Kurt Warner six to five in the greatest show on turf. Like that's still one of the, the damnedest things I've ever seen. You know, they, four minutes and 44 seconds, they got them. They're going to beat them six to five. And then, you know, the the attempted comeback after that with the Burnham Annual rule, right? So there's there's been a lot. Um, great games, you know, that, that crazy game, the greatest comeback on Monday Night Football, Peyton Manning, 
uh, at Raymond James on Tony Dungy's birthday, his first trip back to Raymond James after being fired by the Bucks. Um, you know, a great game after the Bucks had lost in the championship. I think the next year they played the Rams at home, and it was like a 35-32 shootout, and the Bucks won. It was nuts. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's been a lot of moments, but um, I haven't ranked them yet. But it's been... You know, I, I wasn't there at Lake Placid. I can tell you that. <laughs> I wasn't there. Um, I haven't done the Olympics, which is disappointing. There's some things I still want to do, you know, some bucket list things. So maybe we can get together and figure that out. But, yeah, was that the World Series games the Rays had? I mean, a couple of them the first time when they played the Phillies, but that didn't turn out well for the Rays. So, well, probably Super Bowls. I'd say that was it. Name a Super Bowl after 25, and if you liked it, I was there. Well, thanks for your questions. Uh, I guess by the time we talk again, we'll have a better idea about this uh, Lightning New York Rangers series. Game two tonight, of course, at Madison Square Garden. They'll play, what, Sunday, I think, at Emily Arena. So Sunday we'll afternoon, be, a 3 o'clock start. Yeah, we'll be talking about that. We'll be talking about what's going to happen in game four. So either the Lightning will be back in it or, or maybe they'll be down 3-0. I don't know. We, we, we'll find out together and talk about that on Monday. The Rays host the Chicago White Sox. So... Hopefully they'll get a few people out there for that as they uh, try to shake off these injuries that they've had of late, and uh, it's, it's been challenging for them, but um, they got that series going on. So lots to talk about, especially about the NHL on Monday. We'll be back then. Thanks for listening. For Steve Bursnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great weekend, everybody. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.